The Babylon Project was our last best hope for peace. It failed. But in the year of the Shadow War, it became something greater. Our last best hope for victory. The year is 2260. The show, the name of the pod. Episode 47, Matters of Honor, in which the Army of Light gains a new ally and a totally awesome new ship, and dark alliances are revealed. Welcome to Season 3 of The Name of the Pod, the Babylon 5 podcast, in which we explore the ongoing cultural legacy of the 1990s sci-fi television program, Babylon 5. I am John Cassie, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host... Chris Tatro. Hey, Chris. John. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great today. Good. Uh, Season three. uh, Welcome back. No kidding, right? The Uh, dreams were your ticket out. (laughs) Yeah. What have I been dreaming of? I've been dreaming of beautiful new starships. I've been dreaming of... uh, uh, I've been dreaming of... uh, Flowing-haired r- rangers with British accents. Ah, yeah, it's like a like a '90s shampoo commercial. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I'll tell two. You know, uh, Marcus will tell two friends, and then and he'll tell two friends, and Susan Ivanova so will tell two friends, and so on and so on. Yeah, they won't be telling uh, Michael Garibaldi uh, about this because uh, his hair is Garibaldi watch. Yep. You know, we're we're rapidly getting to. Uh, to uh, late stage Garibaldi, you know, with the majestic Bruce Willis chromedome. I, I I did have a note from this episode uh-huh. that I said, Garibaldi, good haircut. Because yeah. I have complained in, in last season that it was a little too long, you know, uh, for for the almost balding look. But he's uh, he's rocking it now. Everything's yeah. good. Yeah, he looks great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've been on hiatus for a couple of months, Chris. What have you uh, what have you watched in the in the hiatus? to sate your television uh, uh, mojo? Uh, I, 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 I would guess that it's not exactly on purpose, but I seem to have, I seem to have done some sort of Katie Sackhoff themed summer excursion. <laughs> uh, I, uh, you could do worse. Well, yeah. Uh, well, in one case, I've uh, been watching a lot of uh, the Babylon 5, the 2004 series, which I know Battlestar you Battlestar Galactica. Did I say Babylon 5? You did. It's all good. Oi. Okay, I've been watching Battlestar Galactica. Well, I'll edit that. It'll sound great. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> that that goes in the, the flub reel at the end. Exactly. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica, the 2004 series. Yeah. Uh, I'm halfway through season three, and as I, as I had said in a text to you earlier in the week, this is a hot take, but I think that season three of Battlestar Galactica is worse, maybe, than season one of Babylon 5. Is it worse than season one of Star Trek The Next Generation? I'm not sure anything is that bad. Yeah, it was pretty dreadful. That was pretty stinky. Yeah. TNG one. Yeah. Almost unwatchable uh, soup to nuts. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, my wife and I have also been catching up on all of our various superhero shows sure. uh, from the past year. And uh, Katie plays a, a villain on The Flash um, oh. with a horrible uh, British accent. Uh, but she's a very over-the-top character, and she's sort of, she's, she's hamming it up, and, and you know, at least it looks like she's having a lot of fun with it. Good. Uh, did but, you watch the uh, 2010 or 11 remake of Bionic Woman that starred Katie Sackhoff? No, no, I didn't get to that. Or, mm. uh, or um, 
what was the what was the 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 sort of sheriff cowboy cop kind of thing she was in longmire oh yeah um, i haven't seen that yeah either. no no uh no i have not watched those but the two things that i have watched um were were those things how about yourself well Gal- uh, you know galactica i'm behind you but i'm in season mm-hmm. two yep. uh rewatching that because uh you know i have too much cheerfulness in my life <laughs> <laughs> you know um yeah. and uh uh John and I finished Riverdale season mm. two, you know, and uh, I'll just reiterate what our dear friend Sudro Brown said about this program. So soapy that if it were any soapier, it would wash itself away. <laughs> right. Uh, it's, it's fun. You know, I mm. think for, 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 for teen, teen acted, teen themed programs, there still is no peer to Veronica Mars, but this is a pretty fine show. Okay. Uh, I watched, uh, the third, the second season of Clever Man, which mm. is a Australian sci-fi program set in the near future, where the the main character uh, is an indigenous Australian and he has access to the 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 Aboriginal dreaming, that sort of spiritual ah. shamanistic space. Okay, uh, pretty interesting. Um, I watched. What is it with me in Australia? I watch Secret City. Because it has Anna Tor, well. who yep. you know, you yep. and I both love. Yep. Uh, very, uh, you really have to have your Wikipedia open if you're an American <laughs> or if you're not from Australia, because there's all of this Australian politics inside baseball stuff mm-hmm. that if you're not paying attention to it, it's not gonna. The show isn't gonna work as quite as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, tried altered carbon, didn't like it. Yep, same. Set set that aside, and I um. I watched the first series of the British House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, delightfully bitchy. Okay, you I know? will have to go back and look at, and look at that. Oh yeah, the American version is too overwrought, and mm-hmm. I, I, I'd never resonated for me. Uh, yeah. But this British version, like British television, you know, the first whole show is four episodes. Mm-hmm. The second is four episodes, and the third mm-hmm. is four episodes. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the character playing the. Uh, uh, you know the the protagonist villain back and forth. You know he's sort of both, yep. right? Uh, it's this actor named Ian Richardson who I never seen before, but good grief, he is just he he's a when when he does the uh, looking into the camera, breaking the fourth mm-hmm. wall kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, he is just oh, he's just awesomely evil mm-hmm. and manipulative mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it's it's definitely worth a shot. But good, uh, good. You know, glad to be back now in the yeah. B five universe. Yeah. You know, we um, we ended season two with, uh, you know, with bang upon bang, and mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting. You and I should have chatted about this in the pre show. That our sense is that maybe season two, episode one, was a little bit stronger than season three, episode one. Yeah, I think a lot of that was probably uh, the arrival of Sheridan and Bruce Boxleitner. Yeah. Uh, kind of coming in and having to introduce a major character yep. into the episode. Um, I feel like it it kind of gave a new, it was kind of like a new a new, a new big boost yeah. in the show. Whereas, whereas this was, I felt like this was more kind of continuing along the same trajectory. Yeah. You know, there was there was more acceleration in the opener of season two than there was here. Yeah, it Not, really. Did this wasn't give... this this wasn't bad by any stretch. 
uh, oh you know, no, it was it was a, it was a, it was a very good episode, um, and it got a lot of good work done. Um, but I, you know, it, it just it it didn't it didn't wow me as much as as my memories of season three are that it was you know the 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 pinnacle of the show. Yeah, you know, that's 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 what I remember of this, and I remember almost nothing. So uh, I'm 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 really looking forward to digging in. Uh, this one was was good, but it didn't it didn't absolutely knock my socks off. Yeah, you know, you get the sort of sense, or at least I have the sort of sense that they had revved the engine to seven thousand RPM and then pushed the launch control button on season mm-hmm. two episode uh, season two episode one. Yeah, you know, like oh, we now now that we're changing the main character, we really have to get this thing really going. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas this feels like the continuation of a novel where all of the chess pieces are on the board, they've been deployed, yep. and they're they're in movement, and we don't have to we don't have to restart anything, right? Mm-hmm. In this mm-hmm. case, the introduction of the Rangers and the new character Marcus feels like a natural and organic extension. Of kind of what we've been doing all along, mm-hmm. rather than okay, folks, let's step back. We've got a major new character to introduce, so we're going to slow all this other stuff down mm-hmm. because we've got this work to do. You know, Marcus just seemed to slot to slot right in, like he's been there all along. It feels, in some respects, to to me, um, and maybe that's because you know we've seen it before. So when we when we see him, he doesn't feel as uh, revolutionary or sort of new, even though he is new, right? And he's giving us a new lens to view the whole of the, you know, of the story on. Um, and he gives us an archetype that uh, I don't think we have in the rest of the cast at this point, aside from his British accent. Um, but he, you know, he's he's got this sort of air of mystery yes. about him that is different from Kosh's air of mystery, uh, but right. you know he's he's sort of playing the sly rogue, uh, you know, based on what we know about the Rangers and 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 everything. You kind of expect him to come in and be all you know uh, upstanding and and you know paladiny for right. lack of a better term. And right. and he kind of comes in and he's cynical and he's like, nah, um, you know, we'll meet me later in a bar and we'll sneak around and we'll hide and. You know, uh, it was it's it's kind of a it's it's an interesting mix into the into the dynamic that we have, right? Because we've seen and we talked about this, you know, in Name of the Pod season two, mm-hmm. uh, over and over again, this kind of alignment business, right? Mm-hmm. And I think he really does read as sort of roguishly neutral good, right? Maybe uh-huh. verging on chaotic good when maybe what. I might have expected, you know, rather than bobbing, sort of weaving, you know, Mm -hmm. I I might have been expecting a character in this kind of ranger outfit to, to read a bit more, a bit more Mimbari, a bit more like a linear, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit Mm -hmm. more rules following, a little bit more uh, absolutist, a little bit more black and white. He seems to have a little capacity for gray. Yeah. You know. Uh, and I think that's a good thing, um, you know, because there are 
there are just so darn many parallels that you could draw to to Tolkien's uh, Rangers and sure. to the introduction of Strider, uh, yeah, you know, meeting in the in the tavern and all of this stuff. Um, that it's that it's good that he's he's going in a different direction, for sure. You know, you don't for want sure. to necessarily draw all of those and, and even appearance, even though this is you know certainly a number of years before Vigo Mortenstern graced our uh, our screen as the most beautiful Aragorn ever. <laughs> yeah, my my Aragorn remains the animated version voiced by John Hurt. Yes. Uh, he was and, not a beautiful animated. He's all scarred up and like oh, yeah. nasty looking, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah for sure. It's been a while. Um, a- and uh, let's not even talk about John Hurt, who mm-hmm. I, I love beyond, beyond description, who you know, everything he's in, you know, is, is improved, but, you know, he looked, I mean, he's, he's always looked sort of ill, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, even when he was very young, he did not look like he was in fine, (laughs) fine fiddle. Yeah, you sort know. of the, the Abe Vigoda syndrome. Yeah, where, yeah, you know, exactly. when, when we were, when we were kids watching Barney Miller, he looked like he was old as dirt. Right. Yeah. He was already 95 then. Right. Right. I, you know, it's funny that you, you mentioned that, um, you know, Chris and I have talked on this program a number of times about a particular episode of Star Trek, the original series called uh, A Taste of Armageddon, uh-huh. uh, which, uh, you know, is a, is a classic of season one of the original series of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I watched it again. You know, I needed, I wanted something in the background and I wanted to see Scotty go a little badass. You know, yeah. I saw the Discovery season two, Star Trek Discovery season two trailer coming out of Comic-Con mm-hmm. and Tignataro as the new chief engineer. Uh, I think it's going to be dynamite. She has a yep. she has a great deadpan line. So mm-hmm. I wanted to get me some some engineers right. And so I'm I'm watching this episode and I I look at Ambassador Fox. You know the the guest the guest diplomatic you know boob you know mm-hmm. who who couldn't negotiate his way out of a paper bag. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God bless. I've never seen such eye bags in my life. <laughs> How old could he possibly be, right? I go to Wikipedia, look up his page. When he does that, he's like, he's like 43 years old. Yeah. Right, it's like, oh, ev- everyone everyone before the 90s looks 20 years older than they are on television, right. you know? Yeah, uh, this is a weird segue. I'm sorry to have got it. But, you know, <laughs> but, 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 you know Marcus looks fabulous, right? Yes. You know, yes. the flowing hair definitely mm-hmm. suggests yep. chaotic good. You know, the yep. roguish British accent also definitely suggests yep. that He's got something going on, and what I what I kind of hope that he'll give us is a kind of more playful kind of Susan Ivanova, mm-hmm. right? And that they'll sort of riff each to the other mm-hmm. in a way that lightens her maybe a little bit and makes him a little bit more serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they definitely were were laying some groundwork for some good interaction between those two characters yeah. in this episode here. Yeah. yeah. Um, the um, and I liked Marcus more than I more than I remembered liking him. Maybe maybe that will fade as episodes go on. Uh, but I, I did not have fond memories of Marcus from watching this show back in the '90s, and I I liked him. I thought he was I thought he was you know a fine good character in here. I was not. I was not looking forward to his arrival, but now I'm happy he's here. Yeah, you and I have exactly the same 
memory and take on him. Like, uh, I don't recall thinking that he was a great ad. And now I'm like, yeah, he seems seems perfectly good. If in fact I think he's I think he's a perspective that we actually kind of need, given the way that these characters are sort of sorting themselves out and the relationships they have to to each other. Um, so I'm I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that he's there, and uh, you know we'll we'll see. I mean, he certainly did one thing that was pretty great, and that is uh, gave Delenn you know, a badass battle pike to have a little Delen foo. Yep. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yep. The, the, the collapsible 10 foot staff. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lanier's carrying the six iron spikes and the iron rations. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, someone needs to, someone needs to. Right. And, uh, you know, I thought, I thought, uh, Mira Furland's Delen foo was creditable. I think mm-hmm. as, as alien foo masters go, Yep. She's probably the best of the ambassadors. Mm-hmm. You know, Shakar is mostly just shouty. And we, I'm trying to think of who know. I would least want to get into a fight with of the ambassadors. And taking Kosh off the table for a minute, because who the heck knows yeah, right. what's going to go on there. And this is another one of these side tangents that we didn't have planned out, but we're going there. We're going there. I think Shakar is who I would least like to get into a fist fight with. Agreed. I would have... I don't know. Londo's pretty good with a knife. You know, he was he was he was good back in the day. Um, yeah. But uh, I could probably take Londo. Yeah. Maybe. I think I think Londo is kind of slow. Yeah. Right. You just have to you just have to be able to dance a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. And I I I still think his friend threw the match. Yeah. In, uh, in knives. Yep. And he he needed to he needed to to die so that the. His house went over to, to Londo and all. So, right. so maybe Londo has fallen a lot more than uh, than one would expect or than he would he would like to believe from his uh, former knife fighting glory. Indeed. But uh, could I take Delenn? I don't know. You know, there's there's she was she was pretty quick to use that staff and she you never know what's going on. Yeah. Mimbari. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think of all of them, uh, all of the alien characters. Mm-hmm. I clearly want no part of Natoth, even though she's not oh, even in no. this. She's not even in this uh, season. I don't want no. any part of that. She will mess you up, son. Yeah, and you know Lanier looks like he could tear you a new one without all that much. If he could work himself up philosophically to doing it, right, right, right. Yeah, I don't want any part of that either. Veer, I would feel too bad. I would just feel terrible, you know. I couldn't imagine getting into a fight with him. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, yeah, I would feel guilty about having my ass kicked by him. It would have to be one of those, you know, we've been captured by aliens and thrown into an arena, and only one of us can survive situations. Yeah, yeah. Now, Veer, by contrast, what's that going to be? A pie eating contest, right? I'd take him. Yeah. 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 Okay, that's resolved. Now, thank okay, you good. so much for listening. <laughs> uh, this is this is the content people turn in for. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is this what, is what folks have been waiting 12 weeks for is, uh, you know, fear <laughs> in a piety contest. <laughs>
Oh, man. Uh, Shedding listeners at an alarming rate. Yes, right. Oh, uh, I, there, I haven't even put the episode up, and I could already see the, yeah. the, the count of subscribers on the Facebook page is already minus 30. Um, so, so, look, we've got a lot of... We've got a lot of plot advancing content here. We've got the uh, we've got Morden dividing the universe like he's mm-hmm. uh, like he's a 15th century pope between the shadows, <laughs> Portugal, and uh, yeah. you know the Centauri, Spain. Um, yeah. You know, we've I was got thinking the Treaty of Versailles myself, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm further back in the 1490s. You know, um, sure. we've got uh, you know we've got the the introduction of and the development of, you know, who the Rangers are and what they're about. Uh, I think the most important, uh, probably, uh, uh, you know, development here is the introduction of the White Star. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, and you know, we sort of need it in order to give everyone a little bit of mobility outside of Star Furies. Um, right. You know, which, uh, you know, we've got a war on. Yeah. And so we right. need a, we need a, a small badass little ship right. to, uh, you know, to kind of kick some tail with and to, you know, to get us mobile. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got to have something you can put more than one character into and, and you can't have the plot always coming to the station. Yeah, this exactly. is going to allow them to expand and tell stories in other parts of right. the galaxy. Right. Which um, is, which is a good direction for, for where they need to go with, with increasing the scope of the war. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, well, you already know what I think about the ship design on this program. And I think mm-hmm. the white star is a dynamite piece oh, of starship beautiful. design. Yeah. I love the fact that it's Mimbari, but finally we sort of avoid the, uh, I'll just call it the uncanny Valley of the other Mimbari ships that are built mm-hmm. along the Y axis rather than the X axis. Right. The, yes. Those tall Mimbari ships that always look to me like they're about to fall over, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they look like 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 not goldfish, but what are they? Beta fish? Yeah, you know, the the very tall kind of yeah yeah yeah. 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 They just I I, I I love the design, but I always feel like I'm gonna fall off the like mm-hmm. I'm like I'm like I'm falling mm-hmm. off a railing or over a railing. Yeah. Uh, beautiful little ship, um, mm-hmm. excellent design, clearly inspired by. You know, uh, Mimbari aesthetics. The Vorlon mm-hmm. technology was clearly there in that sort of engine room sort of thing. Yep. Um, you know, uh, fantastic. Um, a little ship with a lot of firepower that comes into a show. Uh, season three, episode you know, in one. Season three, episode <laughs> one. Uh, it does beg us to look at the other small little badass ship on another program. Uh, you know, yeah. USS Defiant, uh, introduced, you know, to let the crew of DS9 fight the Dominion War properly. And to also give us, a, a you know, in, in that case, an angle on the Federation, you know, look, we don't really build, you know, ships that are all about war. But here was a take on that. And oh, my God, the ship is so ridiculously overpowered that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that we can't even we can't issue it. Can't make any more of them because you know the universe yeah. would implode. So we'll give crime. it to you instead. It's a war crime, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, I think that both shows are improved mm-hmm. by giving their space station bound player characters the ability to roam the universe a little bit more effectively, and by by making its abilities so ill defined as to be 
you know, for all intents and purposes, limitless. Yes. Uh, you know, what other things can this do? Well, we'll, we'll find out, you know, so that yeah. that's given them the writers just a ton of room. It's the buttons on the, the wheel of the Mach five, you know, yeah, right. got one that's like, what does that one do? Oh, never push that one. That's the big button. Don't push uh, the blue button. Mark red. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, so, so it's going to give them, it's going to give the writers a lot of tools to do a lot of different things down the road as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, Being able to open its own, jump gates very helpful that's going to that i mean both within the story and in the in the scope of what you can write you know you're not locked down to they have to be at a place where there is a jump gate anymore yeah yeah yeah. and i rather liked uh us getting a sense of sheridan sort of back in his element you know we talked over and over Mm -hmm. again about how unsuited he felt to uh, being essentially a you know a planetary governor, yeah, right. That he chafed at that over and over again in the series. I thought very productively. You mm-hmm. put him back on a starship, and he's got his swagger back a little bit. You know, yep. You know he's 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 standing there and he's giving orders and he, you know, mm-hmm. it's like he knows he know. Oh, I know how to do this, right? Destroy an undestroyable ship. Check. Right. I have to say that opening a jump gate inside a jump point is the most player character move I've ever seen in a show. That's, you know, you would, you would, you would give, you would give your players a ship with the ability to generate its own jump points. And, and less than five minutes later, they're going to do this thing that, that should, for all intents and purposes, fold the universe in and of of itself. You know? Yeah. Right. They're going to throw the portable hole in the bag of holding day one. Yeah. You can, you can imagine the writers from, Hey, it can open its own jump points. Yeah. Could a shadow ship survive that level of, uh, you know, ninety six point four three megatons? Right? Could mm-hmm. it? Could it? Could it survive that kind of a, you know, an energy wave? And the fact that that the shadow ship could not, mm-hmm. and the white star could outrun it, right? Yep. Could get ahead of it. Uh, very telling resetting of some of these boundaries mm-hmm. about what the shadows can and can't do. Um, right. Because we've established these shadow ships and they even say in this episode, you know, you, you, you can't defeat them and we haven't seen any of them taken down. We saw one of them get part blown off by right. a Narn cruiser and right. then it just sort of healed, you know, merged with another ship, healed itself up and, and off she went. Right. They can't be destroyed and they never miss. And the White Star is maneuverable enough to evade them. And with a, with a human in command, with Sheridan in command, it has, it has the capacity to, to let a clever commander do almost anything. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see what, what comes of it. But uh, you know, I think that in some respects, the White Star is the most important new character of the... Uh, <laughs> you know, of the of the episode. Character uh, find of 1995. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we've got the War with the Shadows properly launched, ongoing. We get some stuff from Earth that I think is going to lead us into our kind of longest uh, element of this of this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the Psy core and shadow relationship. Mm. Uh, but but before we get there, let's talk a little bit about Tucker Smallwood. Ah, love him. Love him. He love to is see him uh, anything he shows up in. 
Right. He plays uh, the the Earth uh, the Earth Dome uh, special counsel. I don't know how to describe him. Intelligence agent. Yeah, intelligence officer. You know, yeah. David Ndawi. I love Tucker Smallwood, but he is from the American South and his Nigerian accent. Yeah, that was not good. Yeah, that no, don't even bother. You know, mm. uh, everything he's in, he elevates. He was good in mm-hmm. this. Uh, you know, he's got that kind of, you know, when when he tilts his head and kind of does, you know, furrows his mm-hmm. furrows his brow. You are properly looked at. Yes. You know, this is uh, this is while he's also working on Space Above and Beyond. Uh, oh, was that the same? Because 95, 96 is the oh, season, and this was made in 1995. So okay. uh, clearly it was made before he his role was expanded on Space Above and Beyond. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, listeners, Chris and I have talked about Space Above and Beyond endlessly over the last 40-plus episodes of, of our program. And Tucker Smallwood's one of the reasons why that program is great. Yeah. You know, his character, Commodore Ross, is, is one of the great sci-fi leader characters i think mm-hmm. and um, and you should go watch space above and beyond when you're done watching season three of yeah. babylon five when when we're in hiatus go watch space above and beyond and tell us yeah. what you think and then go watch the x-files episode home oh mercy yes where do tucker so. smallwood is the the sheriff um i can't remember his name he had a great name in that episode yeah um andy something i want to say yeah, Is it worth looking up. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna. Re- I, I'm not gonna remember. But I remember the name being uh, mm-hmm. being particularly telling. But uh, but you know, Tucker Smallwood lets us see where those parts of the Earth Alliance government that are not compromised in one way or another or a third way, uh, you know, are acting because he he reads to me as just a civil servant. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not he's not working one of these Earth Alliance agendas in any way. Andy Taylor, Sheriff Andy Taylor. Andy Taylor. Yes, best uh, guitarist from uh, from Duran Duran while he was, uh, you know, while he was not sheriffing. Yeah, yeah. Tuck, Tucker Smallwood's uh, work yeah. with uh, early Duran Duran is, uh, you know, Renowned. as yeah. in, in character as Sheriff Andy Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, is, uh, yeah, it goes without, you know. Yeah, there would never have been New Moon on Monday without... Tucker Sheriff Smallwood's Andy Taylor. Andy Taylor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so now, Chris, one of the things that uh, th- that you and I have talked a lot about on this program is these sort of binaries mm-hmm. of of thought, practice, belief that you know that we see. And one of our Facebook group uh, contributors, James Huck Muldowney. Uh, responded to my post about uh, hey any, anything that you think we sh- you should suggest uh, that that you want to suggest that we talk about. He suggested you know chaos versus law rather than good versus evil. Dynamite point, mm-hmm. Huck. Uh, I think we're gonna narrow it for the purposes of this episode, and we'll come back to the broader question down the road. But Chris, I, I was deeply puzzled by the presence of Morden and shadow agents on Earth talking to the Psycor. And let me mm-hmm. let me just sort of give you my thesis and then we can kind of riff on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the shadows read to me as a force of chaos or anarchy, right? Chaos when it's taken too far. Chaos when it is 
unproductive, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, anarchy for its own sake. Whereas the Psychor reads to me as authoritarian and fascist. Law, in other words, taken beyond law. Mm-hmm. Right, and into something that's 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 dark and controlling, and so I don't have any idea why the shadows and the psychor uh, would be collaborating because they don't seem to be philosophically aligned. No, no and, they and I like, don't. Yeah, so tell yeah, me what you think. Yeah. I, I think they wouldn't line up on that axis. Uh huh. That I think, and we'll get this as the series continues on. That there has to be either a common. A, an interest or an enemy that brings them together. Oh, I see. You know that that there's either something that they that they both mutually desire and can help each other, uh, or you know, well, I guess it's similar if they if they have a mutual enemy that they're going to help each help you know sort of a mutual non-aggression pact uh, to to kind of hold off whether it's Sheridan directly the the Mimbari whoever you know who do we consider to be the big the big opponent out there um and i could see the psychor being very concerned about the mimbari and the vorlons and and you know i could see that as as being the foundation of uh, of an alliance um it's you know as you describe it to me it's a lot like the the joker and lex luthor teaming up yeah um, that that well why are they, they they should not team up at all they are opposite ends of the spectrum of of bad guy right uh they shouldn't want anything to do with each other but they have they have the reason they're teaming up is because superman and batman have teamed up yeah um, so you know it's 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 that kind of thing that that usually will pull together these kinds of you know villains from 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 different ideologies different perspectives and and then inevitably they'll turn on each other right inevitably they'll turn on each other so perhaps we'll see that yeah right um and it's totally okay with me that they haven't explained why they're why mm-hmm. they're working together i don't need to know that now that's part of the mystery it's part of the storytelling it's all good right right and and you know not just you we're, we're we're avoiding spoilers for the sake of people who might not have right. watched the show before but there could also be other things that they you know that they have you know, as as part of the deals going on right there could be other yeah. frames of reference or terms of of negotiation or whatever that yeah. are in play you know and yeah i mean to go into the meta of our own show uh you know and chris and i've talked about this we we approach the program as though we were naive to the program, right? We try uh, to, yeah. Right. I mean, our, our our approach is take the story as it presently is mm-hmm. and riff on it, right? Yep. Now we could have decided, you know, okay, well, we're going to proceed into the, you know, we're we're going to bring all the stuff that we know from the end of seasons three and four and five into our discussion right now, but. You know, we know from the Facebook group and from correspondence that we received that there are people watching this for the first time or for the yes. first time in such a long time that it is it is new, right? And so I would not want to spoil it for them. Yeah, I'm dealing with 30 years of NutraSweet poisoning that's just absolutely <laughs> riddled my brain with, you know, holes you could drive a truck through right. that I don't remember any of this stuff. Right. Uh, but I do remember that there's that we get more about this alliance down the road. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at this point, we don't 
we don't necessarily know what the shadows want other than we're going to take you know, this big chunk of the galaxy and you're going to have this little small right small piece right. over here what you know what do they do they want just to are they are they nihilistic uh right if they succeed what does that mean yes that's now that's the question isn't it we've right. we've been told what the vorlons and the and the minbari think but that it means right that it just in in vague terms of it it'll be bad but i don't know that we know what they want right and that makes the question that i led this segment with interesting to me mm-hmm. right in other words their behavior seems like they want to watch the universe burn. Mm-hmm. That could easily be a misread. Mm-hmm. Right? They're, or a feint. Or a feint, right? The Centauri, Orlando, have a deeply disorderly noble culture. Mm-hmm. Right? Which we've talked about at length as well. Right, that they mm-hmm. they're interested in the games of nobility more than they are in in preserving good order in their country, despite what they say. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so so what does that you know what does that mean? How does that how does that work? Um, you know the fact that the that the shadows had a lengthy presence on Narn and didn't corrupt them. Or didn't bend them to their will. That strikes me as interesting. Mm. You know, what is it about the Narn that caused them to be ignored? I would suspect that they weren't high enough along on the on their technology tree. Yeah, uh, sure. To you know, at the time, I mean, from what Jakara says, this was you know, this was the the thousand years ago yeah. period, and and. I mean, we know that they just got spaceflight from the Centauri, right? You know, relatively recently, right. so so it would be like if they landed on Earth in you know the the early Middle Ages or something like that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, okay, we're we're we gain from manipulating peoples who can do stuff, right? These folks aren't going to do anything. Yeah, you know, they're just yeah. they're they're scrabbling around and like beating the ground with sticks. Yeah, uh, that. Yeah, you've got to be right. Yeah. I think. Yeah, they yeah. they had nothing to they had nothing to offer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And since they're yeah. exploitative, right, right. Without the thing, you know, you you don't have enough for us. Yeah, right. It's ancient alien theory, you know. Yeah, they show sure. up, they build pyramids, you know, but they don't really, you know. They don't. Yeah, what are these guys going to do? Right, not right. Do anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be like uh, it would be like the the Borg assimilating the the Sumerians. Yeah, right. Like why? What do they, you, what do they you, have? You to have contribute? no biological distinctiveness. You have nothing that we care about. Yeah, right. You know, and and there are examples, you know, in the other universe of the Borg ignoring civilizations. It's like well, you have nothing. You no, you're yeah. not even you're not even worthy of being assimilated. Right. Right. That's going to feel bad. Um, yeah. I have days like that. Don't we all? Yeah. Mm. If only I could be assimilated by the Borg. Oh, my God. Mm. It would make so many things yeah. easier. Notice me, senpai. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get letters. We're going to get letters. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so um so I mean li- li- listeners I I hope that you'll you know when we when we put this episode up that you'll sort of weigh in on this a little bit and give us your perspectives on kind of what you think the 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 shadows are about what are the what are the evidence threads that are already in the show that you think hey you guys what do you think about this what do you think about mm-hmm. this what do you think about this uh, okay. when we put the alignment chart up in season 2 we got some uh uh you know we got some some folks offering alternative viewpoints that put the shadows in different places. You know, we ended up with them down in, uh, you know, in chaos city over with, uh, you know, the evil, we put Morden down there mm-hmm. and folks said, oh, my memory says that maybe that's uh, not quite fair. And so I'm looking to see where, mm-hmm. you know, kind of where that might land. Um, yeah. uh, to, to me, at least very, you know, very, uh, uh, you know, very intriguing. Uh, and you know, Morden remains, you know, one of the great, one of the great villains. Oh, definitely. You know, on sci-fi TV, I mean, he's so unctuous. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I loved the way that he sort of dismisses Londo's attempt to dismiss him. Mm-hmm. You know, like your your secondhand news already. Yeah, Mister uh, Mister Malari. Lord Rifa and I are, are 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 moving forward on our plans, and you are a sideshow. Gotta gotta play that hard to get. Yeah. You know. Yeah. All right, Londo, you think you're all that? Well, uh-huh. let's see what happens when. How do you right. think you got here? Oh, you did this by yourself. Okay, fine. Let's yeah, see how this yeah. goes. Oh. Yeah. What a fascinating. Uh, to me. Yeah. What a fascinating misread, Londo, mm. of the last year that we've been together. Yeah. Yeah. Although, is it a misread where Londo thinks, you know, I can do this without him? Or is it, is it again, one of these attempts by Londo to be like, mm-hmm. I got to distance myself mm-hmm. from this. This is my attempt to get away, yep. uh, which we know he'll never do. Right. I, to me, I think it's definitely the second. Right. Uh, I think we're definitely going to see Londo showing his old, uh, y- y- you know, flying his old flag probably next episode. It's not going to take any time at all, you know. I like the bit about Jakar and uh, and Dowie, right? Just you know, Jakar being re- repositioned as a sort of spiritual leader, mm-hmm. right? You know, oh, I'm I'm the you know he's still Cassandra, but maybe someone is actually listening. Yeah, right. So I I think Chris, that brings us sort of to the end of of. Uh, Matters of honor. I think so. The only other thing that I want to note is we get some good sass out of Kosh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. I hate it when you do that. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Sheridan needs to be, needs to have the piss taken out of him a little bit every yeah. now and again, you know? Yeah, that had um, to be a, that had to be a, just a fun moment to write a fun little scene. Totally, totally. Yeah. Uh, not quite sure what it means when he says, "Oh, it was a great strain." Yeah, yeah. That's a little weird. Okay, it, it's interesting that that mm. people don't know that it was that that was Kosh. That's that they right. All yes. Saw something, but they don't know that it was him. And we were concerned, or I was concerned at least, about you know, has this tipped the hand of the Vorlons? You know. Well, okay, so the, any shadow representative who's seen that 
knows that the light beings are active still, but they don't necessarily connect that to these encounter suit folks. Right. Right. So we, we haven't, we haven't completely blown that, uh, that secret away. Right. Right. Quite well launched. Yeah. Quite well Good. launched. Glad, glad to be back. Glad to be here in the third season. Right. Yeah. We're, we're, we're off and running again. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, folks, join us next week when we talk about uh, convictions. Great. Looking forward to it. Indeed. Until next time. Bye, folks. See you, Chris. Bye. Bye, John. <laughs>